Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. Hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this morning's live edition, we're going to be looking back at the 1-1 draw between Arsenal and Leicester City at the Emirates Stadium last night. Um, before we get into it, I want to introduce today's guest. He's a fantastic uh, analyst, one of the very, very best in the business. And I'm delighted to call him a friend as well. And delighted to welcome him back on the podcast for the second time. Uh, Lee Scott, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm good, Harry. How are you? Not too bad, my friend. I'm feeling actually a lot better about last night's game this morning than I did at the time. Now, me and Lee were on commentary together last night covering the game. And, and Lee said to me after we finished that he could hear the, the disappointment in my voice when Leicester City equalised. And I'm not even going to deny that. Um, you know, I know I should uh, should be more professional than that. But at times you just can't help it. And having seen Arsenal perform the way they did in the first half and then not to end up with all three points. I can't deny that there was some frustration there. But what I will say is this, and before we, we dip into the ins and outs of the game, a, a message to Arsenal fans is chill out, relax, understand where we are as a team, and then look at that result as a positive. If you had said to any Arsenal fan prior to the Wolves game that we'd have taken four points from the trip to Molyneux and then a game against Leicester, there's not a single one of you out there that wouldn't have taken that. So... You have to put things into context and understand where Arsenal are at as a team and why this should be seen as a positive result, even if we could have ended up with more. Uh, Lee, what was your overall take on the game and the way it panned out at the Emirates last night? I think that Arsenal will be disappointed. Michael Arteta will be disappointed with the outcome of the game, especially given the pattern of the first half when Arsenal were by far the most dominant team. They, they were creating chances from open play. They should have had two or three goals before the break. And I think you and I both discussed on commentary, Harry, that Arsenal may well rue those missed chances as the game went on. And, and that's the way it panned out. In the second half, that there's no doubt that Arsenal were off the pace. They started slowly. And then as Leicester built momentum from that slow start by Arsenal, they struggled to make an imprint in the game. And obviously the sending off to Ketia changed the state of the game and it allowed Ben and Rodgers to make substitutions that allowed Leicester to push forward more. But I think that Brendan Rodgers got away with that result a little bit for Leicester City. I think that his tactical choices were strange and, and they didn't make a whole lot of sense, whereas Arteta was, was sticking to the principles and the concepts that we've seen from him so far at Arsenal. And, and he's continued to build something at the club. I think that's the takeaway that I would have as an Arsenal fan. I'd be happy that the coach seems to have a plan and seems to be sticking to it. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen him adopt this back three, um, which of course accommodates David Lewis. It makes him look a little bit more solid, but also it allows him to do what he does best. And that is progress the ball out of the defensive area. And as Arsenal try to build play, uh, we've seen it benefit the likes of Granit Xhaka as well. And Danny Ceballos, who now have that additional cover behind them. Um, you know, the wing backs give us additional width, which, as we discussed during the game, Lee, allows the likes of, of Aubameyang and whoever plays on the other flank to drift inside into those half spaces without being worried about what they're leaving behind them. So I think overall, 
given the personnel that we currently have at our disposal, I think the system works really, really well. And I thought Arsenal's first half display um, was as good as Arsenal have played in a long, long time. They were creating chances. They were cutting Leicester City open. And I want to start off by talking about the opening goal because, I mean, Bukayo Saka has has received a lot of credit for the assist and, and I will come on to that in a moment. But how goodly was the pass from Danny Ceballos? Are we starting to see the man that we thought we were getting at the beginning of the season after a difficult settling in period? I think so. I think that Ceballos over the last few weeks has been excellent for Arsenal. And we, we touched upon it last night. We, we talked about whether Ceballos would be a good permanent signing for Arsenal. And we discussed for a little bit that the problem that he's had is that there hasn't been a clearly defined set of roles in the midfield for Arsenal. There hasn't Every midfielder has been expected to do every facet of the game, which just isn't always practical. Midfielders need set roles to be able to to play to that high standard. And last night we saw the role that Ceballos should have for me, but he's able to pick up possession centrally and he's able to beat players in the centre. But then his range and his weight of passing forward progressively, that's the key. And it was his pass out to Saka that released Saka on the right-hand side. Yes, as you, you said, we're going to talk about in a second. Yes, the defender slips, Johnny Evans slips, but the, the weight of the pass for for Saka from Ceballos is, is what managed to release the player into space and it gave him the time to be able to attack Evans one-on-one. Absolutely. And and a point that you made, so I'm not going to steal your thunder, uh, last night was the composure that Saka showed, having been in that position, because it would have been very easy, wouldn't it, for him to have snatched at the opportunity, having seen Johnny Evans lose his footing. Yes, exactly. I mean, young players in that position, Johnny Evans loses his footing, but that's because it looked, but in the first instance, as Osaka was going to cut back onto his left foot and cut back across goal. Johnny Evans was ready for that, and when the cutback did come, that's when he lost his footing. But for a young player in that situation, it's easy for your eyes to light up and see a clear path to goal and just drive it go yourself. But he already had in mind that he was going to look for the pass across the face of goal. He could see Aubameyang making that run towards the back post, and the composure to put the weight of the pass just into the exact zone that Aubameyang wanted that was very impressive for such a young player. Absolutely. And and just staying on the, the theme of Bukayo Saka, he is a player that has received a, a lot of praise from the Arsenal fan base and rightly so because he's performed to an extremely high level. That was his fifth Premier League assist last night. And, and considering that he's played a lot of those games at left back or left wing back, um, you know, that's pretty impressive. 23 appearances now uh, in the top flight. Got his first goal uh, last weekend at Wolves in the, in the league. So uh, clearly a player on the up. But What's the outside view of somebody like Bukayo Saka? Lee, you're not an Arsenal fan. You would look at it with a different perspective. How impressed have you been by this kid overall and how far do you think he can go? I think it's always impressive when you look at a club, the, the stature and the size of Arsenal. You see a, a young player coming into the first team and making significant impact at first team level. What really stands out to me is that he is so trusted by Mikel Arteta that We've touched by the fact that he plays left back, he plays left wing, he plays right wing. He played the centre of the, the midfield, the attacking role if he wanted to. He has that full capacity to do different things for the team. I think that the fact that he's came in and he's been so diligent in terms of his defensive duties from left back, but as well as being a defensive, capable defensive player from that position, you've touched upon how important he is going forward and what he offers the team in the attacking base. I think that with the three-the-back system, Saka could also play the left wing-back role just as well with Aubameyang in front of him. And the two of them could work together. 
that's if Kieran Tierney wasn't the first team, of course. So it's it's always good to see a club like Arsenal who are willing to allow their their youth prospects time in the first team, and that's what fans really want. I mean, if your team isn't challenging at the top of the table and isn't challenging where you as a fan think that they should be, the one way that the team can get you back on side is by giving minutes to young players because everybody likes to see young players in the new system come through. Absolutely. Let's let's go over to some of the live comments that are coming through at the moment. A big good morning to everybody who's watching us live on YouTube at the moment and to those of you who are going to watch it back on the replay and, of course, to those of you who listen uh, via the audio platforms. Um, let's see what we've got here. We've been talking about Bukayo Saka. Omar says Saka was good again. And Graham says it wasn't Saka's best game, just like the Wolves game, but he is showing massive potential. Uh, someone gamer says Saka is fire. I think my view on Saka is that he is a little bit less effective when he plays on that right-hand side. I thought early on in the game last night, I thought that Soyonchu had... Uh, well, he clearly has a physical advantage over Bukayo Saka in terms of his physical nature, his size, his power, his strength. But I thought that what Saka did really well was he then started to, to change his movements a little bit in order to give Soyonchu a really, really difficult time. As you touched on, Lee, Brendan Rodgers went with a very different system, one that nobody really expected. We were talking about it in the build-up to the game, about how um, we wasn't even sure if that was what he was going to do. Once the game started, it became evident. But Soyonchu was out of his comfort zone playing in that sort of left central defensive channel and Bukayo Saka very quickly in my opinion adapted his game and adapted his runs in order to give the the Turkish international a really really hard time so I agree with the comments that it wasn't necessarily his best game and I'll go back to that point again I don't necessarily think he has he is generally as impactful on the right as he is on the left or perhaps through the middle but ultimately he still made a telling contribution and and that shouldn't go unnoticed, right? No, absolutely. I, th- I think you're right. On the right-hand side, you do lose a little bit. And that's normal for a young player when you play them on the opposite side as a wing, as a wide player. They're not always comfortable in the first instance. The, the game looks different from the other side of the pitch. And at the professional level, when the game moves as fast as it does, that can be an important factor. But I think that we talked about last night that, yes, uh, Soyuncu had the physical dominance over Saka, but as soon as the ball was going in behind Soyuncu into that channel and that space between the defensive line and the goalkeeper, that's where we saw the game turn because the likes of Saka on the right-hand side, Aubameyang on the left-hand side, even Lacazette centrally, all have the pace to stretch the defensive line in that way. So it was more about, I think, the service that Saka was getting in the first moments of the game when Arsenal try to be a little bit more direct, play from back to front quickly to bring them into play and create platforms to play from. I think that as soon as Saka was able to run him behind, you saw Soyuncu have to adapt his own game to make sure that he was neutralised in that threat as well. Soyuncu's not slow for a central defender by any means, but in a flat foot race, he had no chance against Saka. And you saw that in moments throughout the game. That's right. Um, Let's talk about another player that operated on the right-hand side for Arsenal, and that was Hector Bellerin. Um, I did my player ratings immediately after the game uh, last night for patrons. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. You can sign up and support the podcast for as little as one pound a month and you will receive access to exclusive content, including player ratings within half an hour of each game. Um, Hector Bellerin for me, I didn't give him a particularly good rating, actually. And 
the more I think about it, perhaps I was a little bit harsh. I thought he made the right runs. I thought he got into the right positions. You highlighted uh, sort of the way he was drifting into that inside channel when it resulted in a really good cross at one stage for Lacazette, a chance that he no doubt should have done better with. But what have you made of Hector Bellerin in recent weeks? He, he struggled to get up to speed uh, since he's come back from that knee injury. Was that as good as you've seen him play in recent times yesterday? I think so. Um, I think that Bellerin has had to adapt his game from when he first made the breakthrough. Arsenal, obviously, then he was all about speed and getting around the outside and attacking the penalty area from those spaces. And the way that Arsenal are playing under Arteta, it's adapted slightly. So the right back has, so the right wing back has a very important role because the same side, the left hand side, if you think about it, I guess that they need to read what the, the player in front of them is doing. So Saka stays outside on the right hand side. Bellerin has to make that inverted movement to occupy the half space. Now, the half space is, is so important in the final third for a team like Arsenal because as soon as you occupy that space, you pull a defensive player out of their slot towards you to, to engage the ball carrier, engage the ball where Bellerin was, and that creates space further forward that likes a lack of to move into. I think that Bellerin did well. He carried the ball well. He had a, a good opportunity, a cross shot, if you like, in the first half at we both agreed it looked like a cross, but Schreichel had to react quickly to save it. He played that excellent cross that you referenced into Lacazette in the back post. Lacazette should have done better with the header again. Schreichel saved it. I think that he was getting into good position, but he was also quite good defensively. You saw on a couple of occasions it was his intervention, whether just knocking the striker or the attacking player off balance at the last second. That, that led to Leicester snatch at chances and not getting clear looks at goal. So I think he did do well. I agree that I don't think he's he's the player that he was, whether that's due to injuries or whether there's something else going on. But from a yep. tactical standpoint, he looked very disciplined. He looked to be performing the role that Arteta asked him to. And you can't really ask more than that at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can all agree that his role has, has had to adapt. It's slightly changed. You, you make a great point about him having to read what the man in front of him does and how important that is in terms of them being you know, on the same singing from the same hymn sheet, I guess, and, and being effective as a combination down that right-hand side. Uh, Graham says, Bellerin's best game for a while. That's what competition for places does for you. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Cedric's come in. Mikel Arteta has spoken about how impactful he can be in the final third. And I think that has given Hector Bellerin a bit of a kick up the arse. And, you know, competition for places is something that maybe Arsenal have lacked a little bit in recent times. We've, we've been very... Um, you know, we've persisted with players who haven't always performed at the, the highest level and that can be a problem. And it's part of the culture, isn't it? And we talk about Mikel Arteta trying to embed a culture here. And I think adding additional players that are going to challenge each other for places is, is, is part of that and is very, very important. Um, I want to get your take, mate, on uh, Alexander Lacazette. We've spoken about a couple of chances in which he should have done better. And I don't think there's any debate about that. I think there, there was certainly an argument to say that Alexander Lacazette should have at least uh, hit the back of the net once during that game. But that's as good as I've seen Alexander Lacazette play for a while in terms of his hold-up play, in terms of him being constantly involved, in terms of him dropping deeper to receive the ball, drawing fouls from the opponent. It felt to me like everything was there apart from that final finish. Would you agree with that assessment? Yes, definitely. We referenced it last night quite a lot in the commentary that, that Lacazette was doing so well in terms of dropping off. You saw at one point he dropped off from the ninth slot into the 10th slot and received the ball. 
Lacazette's able to receive the ball in those areas with his back to go and he can either bring others into play or he has that low centre of gravity that allows him to twist and turn and create space for himself and the defender gets too tight. But as he dropped in that space, as soon as he received the ball, you saw Obama Young start to make the run behind the defensive line because he's aware of how good Lacazette is and how likely Lacazette is to be able to find him with that pass. And we saw that last night. And, and yes, Lacazette should have scored. I, I absolutely agree. That header that we referenced from the Bellerin cross, I think that was the, the best chance that he had. He had one in the first half that showcased just how good Lacazette is in the penalty area when he received the ball with two defenders around him. He was still able to get the shot away low and hard towards the corner that Schmeichel saved. I think that that again shows the quality that Lacazette has in around the final third. But his ability to bring others into play, his importance in terms of helping young players as well. You saw him at one point having a go at Saka because Saka didn't make the run that Lacazette wanted him to. That's all important for a young player's development, having players in the squad and in the first team who are willing to take it upon themselves to give players instructions when they're needed. That's something that will help Saka develop. I think that, yes, Eddie and Ketia came on, but I'm sure we'll talk about the sending off later on. Um, but I think that on the basis of the showing, I would be very surprised if Lacazette wasn't going to start the Spurs game anyway because he was so good last night. Absolutely. Um, let's uh, move on to another couple of players. I want to get your thoughts on Shkodran Mustafi yesterday. Just for me... You know, he shows signs of improvement and I don't think he was necessarily overly bad last night, but he just misread a few situations and almost got caught out. And Jamie Vardy's movement was a real problem, wasn't it? In that half space that we've been talking about. You've seen that he's, as we described last night, very efficient in and around those areas. Really, really good uh, performance from him. But Mustafi, was was he at the races for you? No, Mustafi looked off of his game. Uh, there was a couple of times he was just caught under the ball and caught out of position. And Normally, you can rely on Mustafi to be at least a solid defensive player if he's not as good progressing the ball, if he's not as good in possession. Then you can, you can hope that he'll be in the right position and he'll have his body shape and position in right. But there was one point last night where the, the ball went down the left-hand side into Vardy and, and Vardy got possession and Already Mustafi was a pace behind him, but you saw Mustafi with arm raised looking for offside, and that just allowed Vardy to run down the outside, and then Mustafi went with the wrong foot, just waved his foot to try and stop the ball, and the ball came into the penalty area. Mustafi needs to be doing better from a one-versus-one defensive standpoint. You don't put your arm up, you don't hesitate. You have to play the ball first and play the man first before you start to worry about offside. I think that a couple of occasions he was caught out in terms of his aerial ability, which is unusual. I don't know if it's a, a transition for Mustafi playing to the, on the right side of a three-man defensive line or, or what's happening. Um, certainly Mustafi has seemed to be more solid. I think it'll be interesting next season when you have the likes of William Saliba as well coming into the first-team squad to see exactly what the defensive makeup of Arsenal looks like because they seem to have a lot of pieces in that position now but finding the right combination is going to be key for Arteta. Pablo Marie is going to come in and play the left side centre-back position. Does Taliba come in and play on the right? Will they trust a young player in that area? Will he just be a squad player who needs to develop and get minutes at the Premier League level? There are still a lot of questions about the defensive unit, but with all that said, Arteta has made Arsenal more solid defensively in general, just through the system and structure of play. So... He has obviously addressed the fact that they were so porous defensively at points of the season, and, and that's a positive. So Arsenal fans can at least look forward to 
that next. Absolutely. Lots of, like we said, there's, there's lots of positives to take from last night's game. Look, the, the second half was a struggle. Um, the red card certainly didn't help. And we're going to come on to talk about that now because I know everybody's dying uh, to discuss that. For me, you know, Eddie and Ketia coming on was probably the right call. I think that a part of, of, of Mikel Arteta's decision would have been the fact that the North London derby is around the corner and he's trying to manage his squad as best as possible. He keeps talking about the, the level of uh, intensity that we're having to play with and the number of fixtures, which are coming thick and fast. There's no denying that. A trip to Spurs on Sunday is around the corner. I think at 1-0, he figured that bringing Eddie and Ketia on would give us a little bit more work rate up top. Not because Lacazette wasn't giving it, but of course, physically, he'd given a lot in that opening 70, 75 minutes, whatever it was. Eddie and Ketia comes on and almost immediately gets sent off. Now, the VAR took an age to make a decision on that. Eventually, the referee was sent over to the side of the pitch. Before I share my thoughts on the incident, Lee... It, was it a correct decision in your opinion, having watched it back now? I think if you take it as a black and white decision, yes, it was a correct decision. And, and the foot was high and it was dangerous. And I can see why Ketia was sent off. The issue for me comes that referees need to be able to referee the game within the context of the game. And they need to understand the game state and what's happening around them at the time. Eddie and Ketia, as you said, had only been on the pitch for a matter of minutes. The adrenaline was pumping. There was no malice. It was a 50-50 chance to get the ball. And Nketiah had his studs up to try and nick the ball to send it around the defender and run around him. As it turned out, he was slightly late. He wasn't really late. The freeze frame looked worse than, I think, the the real motion, if you like, when you saw the, the tackle in motion. So for me, I would have liked to see the referee be able to use his set, not common sense. That's the wrong way to put it because I'm not criticising the referee in that sense. But the referee needs to have the versatility to be able to make the choice for himself. Well, VR was obviously clear that it was a sending off. I think in terms of what was happening in the game at the time, you could have forgiven the referee for simply giving a yellow card after he kicked. Absolutely. I mean, my take on it, and I know this is one of the oldest cliches in football, but, you know, everybody says, oh, he's not that type of player. And, and you know, that, that shouldn't come into it. Even as an Arsenal fan, I can say that you're, you're judging the offence for what it is. And there is no doubt in my mind that when you do freeze the pictures and when you watch it back again, do I think it was done with excessive force as a word that the or term, sorry, that the officials love to use? No, I don't think it was. And if it was done with excessive force, then James Justin doesn't get out of the way and spin out of the way the way he does. So I don't think there was excessive force. Was there intent? I don't think there was intent to hurt the player. I think there was intent to... Um, to to try and nick the ball and knock it past the defender. I certainly think there was a, a bit of over-enthusiasm from Eddie Nketiah having just come on the pitch and desperate to make a, an impact. I think he would have been probably instructed to go on there and make it as difficult as possible for those Leicester centre-backs. But when you watch the freeze frames and you watch the replay and you see at what part of the leg he's caught the player on, it's very difficult to make a case that says it isn't a red card. So I'm not upset about that. What I am upset about, though, and this is an issue with football and the rules rather than it is with with the referees and the uh, VAR officials from last night, is that now Eddie Nketiah could miss three games. And I don't think that challenge warrants missing three games. I don't think that it was a, a nasty challenge. I don't think he's gone in two-footed. I think he's a little bit high. But 
that's where I've got a bit of an issue. I think there should be a little bit of common sense applied in that scenario that says that actually, yeah, you know, it's a red card, but it's it, that's it. It's not any more than that. Have a one game ban, fine. But to be banned for three games now feels a little bit harsh for me. And then that brings me on to the other decision, which was the, the Jamie Vardy on Mustafi one. And, and, and I didn't really, you know, we spoke about it at the timely. We said, I don't think he's meant that. Um, but Mikel Arteta was was really pissed off about it in his post-match interview. And he said, um, maybe it's a red card in reference to Enketia, but if it is, then Leicester should have been down to 10 men after 40, 45 minutes. And he was referencing that Jamie Vardy incident. Now, does do I think for a second that Jamie Vardy's gone in there to kick Mustafi in the face? Probably not. I still struggle to watch that back, though, and see that as being a natural movement from Jamie Vardy which makes me a little bit sort of iffy about it. But I'm OK with that not being given as a red card. What I'm not OK with, though, is the fact that no time was spent by the VAR looking at that one, which is obviously endangering an opponent as well. Again, similar to Eddie Nketiah's challenge, it's not intentional, in my opinion. Um, is it done with excessive force? Probably not. Uh, but it is endangering an opponent, as is Eddie Nketiah's. It's the lack of consistency. And then when... I talk about lack of consistency. I come on to the fact that when do we ever see a Premier League referee going over to the monitor to make a decision? The, the VAR couldn't decide. And under normal circumstances, we've seen them not decide and then a decision not given. In this case, the referee went over. Now, if we're talking about the greater good of football, I want to see the referees go over more often. But it just feels a little bit frustrating as an Arsenal fan that when it happens to us, the referee goes over and makes the call. Whereas in previous games, we've seen the VAR be unable to come to a conclusive decision, not pass it on to the referee and plays resumed. So can you understand that frustration a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's perfectly normal. Absolutely understandable that Arsenal fans will feel that way. I understand why Arteta was so upset after the game. and We saw him remonstrating straight after the game with the officials. That was obviously why. I think that the Jamie Vardy challenge, yes, it looked accidental, but if you're talking about a dangerous challenge, you saw the marks at that left of Mustafi's face with the stub marks and the cuts and the bruises. I think that if you're going to have it, you can't have it one way and not the other. I think that you're right, we need to see the referees use the VAR screen more often. We see that in other leagues around Europe, and it works much better for me because VAR is there to support the referee, not to be in place of the referee and to give them decisions. So, I think there's a, a lot to be said for for being able to have consistency a little bit more, and maybe there needs to be an instruction for next season where the referees do do, do that more often. there people just a, a dip in the internet connection not sure uh, what on earth happened there uh, lee are you still with us yes i'm still here great stuff lee uh, carry on sorry you were talking about the var call i have to apologize yeah. my no no i was just referencing the fact that i i think you're right the referees need to be more consistent in using the screen the side of the pitch i think the vr is there to help referees not in place of referees and that needs to be remembered so at the end of the day, the final choice has to come down to the referee in these situations. And I think if he'd gone across to look at the Jamie Vardy challenge and seen 
how dangerous it was with the studs up at the face of the player. Yes, they were on the ground, but the studs still made contact with the side of Mustafi's face, and, and that can be construed as dangerous play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to quickly apologise to those of you watching us live for the, the dip in the connection there. Not sure what happened, um, but that's the uh, trouble with doing things live. Um, internet connection permitting, uh, you know, that's so, so important. Um, overall, then, I think we can all agree that for the first half, Arsenal were really impressive. Should have taken their chances. In the second half, uh, Arsenal dropped off physically, um, probably a little bit mentally as well, switched off a little bit for the Jamie Vardy goal. Um, and overall, whilst it's frustrating, though, you, you've got to just take the result and move on from an Arsenal perspective. I don't think it's one we should uh, dwell on too much. I don't think it's one we should look back on and be too disappointed by. It is what it is. Um, I've had a little moan about the red card, as have a few people in, in the live chat, which is absolutely fair. Uh, but let's be honest, as Arsenal fans, we can't control the things um, that, that the referee does or that the VAR does or uh, incidents like the Eddie Nketiah one um, or the Jamie Vardy one. So for me, it's about looking at where Arsenal can improve as a team and moving forward. And I think we can improve in terms of um, uh, fitness, I would say, because that certainly dropped off. I know these are very difficult circumstances in terms of the amount of games that we're playing and all of that, uh, but that there is room for improvement there. Um, there is certainly room for improvement in front of goal. We didn't take the opportunities that we should have and perhaps we'd have been out of sight and then we wouldn't have even been talking about um, a red card uh, or it, at least not in as much detail as we have so far. Um, but yeah, lots to take forward, lots of positives. And as an Arsenal fan, as I said, right at the very top of the show, if you told me before Wolves that we were going to get four points out of these two fixtures, I would take it. Another encouraging thing is we are going into the North London derby this Sunday in far better shape than Tottenham Hotspur, in my opinion. Now, I know that the form book goes out the window um, in North London derbies more often than not. But uh, just before we wrap up, Lee, how do you see the North London derby going? Would you be more confident as an Arsenal fan going into it, given that the recent form of the two sides? Yes, it would be. I think there's no doubt about that. I think Arsenal come into the game, they'll have their heads up. They'll also feel like they have something to prove following that first-half performance against Leicester. Their, the attacking players obviously will feel like we've let the side down with their lack of finishing in the final third, and that's something they'll look to rectify in the Spurs game. I think that Spurs are in a difficult position at the moment, and if Mourinho chooses to stick with the Davison Sanchez, Eric Dyer central defensive partnership, we can see a lot of chances for Arsenal in this game. The midfield as well for Spurs, he doesn't look to have a settled idea of what he wants his midfield to do. Yes, they still carry threat and attack. You can't discount the threat of Harry Kane. Yes, he's not much of a runner anymore, but his ability in front of goal and his finishing is still top class. You'll still have the likes of Son, you'll have Bergwin potentially coming into the team as well. So there is a lot of danger in the Spurs' attack, but the rest of the team doesn't have balance and doesn't really have the depth of quality. I think that if I were an Arsenal fan, I'd be coming to this game confident. Great stuff. Fingers crossed you're right. Hopefully we do go into that game and uh, give them a good hiding. That would be great, wouldn't it? Um, big thank you to everyone who's watching us in the live chat. Big thank you to everyone who's listening back to us via the audio as well. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow night 
uh, with an edition of the Social Club, where I'll be joined uh, by some of the regular panellists. And we're going to be looking ahead uh, to that game uh, coming up on Sunday in great detail. We'll have a Spurs man on the panel as well, uh, just for a bit of balance. Uh, and then we can all gang up on him as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, come and join us. We'll be live around about 10pm tomorrow night. So you'll be able to uh, tune into that. If you don't catch us live, the audio will be available first thing in the morning as well. Um, so a big thank you to you all once again. My thanks to Lee Scott. Lee, how can people uh, pre-order your fantastic book and follow you on social media? You can follow me on social media. Uh, best way is probably on Twitter at FM Analysis. My second book, King Klopp, looking at the tactical concepts of Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp, is out this coming August. Um, you can pre-order it now via Amazon or any other bookseller. Brilliant stuff. Please do check that book out. Um, it's going to be fantastic, I'm sure. And I've, I've gotten to know Lee over the last couple of months. We've done a lot of work together. I've really enjoyed it. And he's made me look at football in a very different way. So um, I'm sure the book will open your eyes as well. And, and be sure to head over there and pre-order it. Until next time, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, up the Arsenal. <laughs>